In this episode of the IT Pro TV podcast, we continue our recap of the Wild West Hackenfest from Deadwood, South Dakota. This time we're taking a look at the hands-on labs, giving people a chance to actually try out their hacking skills. That's all coming up on the IT Pro TV podcast, starting right now. Hello and welcome to the IT Pro TV podcast. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, and I'm joined again by Mr. Tom Bazette, who is freshly back from the freezing cold of Deadwood, South Dakota, and the Wild West Hackenfest. Do each time, <laughs> contractually obligated. Uh, and uh, in this podcast episode, we're going to talk about some of the hands on experiences. We had a chance last time to kind of do a recap of, of day one and talk to a few of the speakers. So we've got a lot more speaker interviews coming up. Uh, in future episodes of this as well, but today we want to take a second and talk about some of the, the hands-on labs. So, so Don, as, as someone who has not been to one of these uh, Hackenfests or, or you know, um, Black Hat or places like that, what, are the, what do we mean when we say labs? Is this something that you have to go to someone's booth for or you can kind of play the whole time? How do these work? So I, a lot of this originated from DEF CON, and, and if any of you guys have, have well, talked to me about conferences this year, I was super disappointed in DEF CON. Um, that you know the, the talks were were all right, but the whole thing is turned into this big show as opposed to like an actual informational thing. Um, but the best part about DefCon, where all the good stuff was, it was in what were called these villages, right? These separate little areas that were kind of outside of the conference floor, where companies would come in and they would rent their own space and they would put on these these challenges that were hands-on activities for people that, that came to the, the conference. So it wasn't a chance to dress up and pretend to be a hacker. It was a chance to sit down and actually be a hacker. And if you went to DEF CON, that was where all the value was in, in that whole conference this year was at these villages. Well, at Wild West Hackenfest, they did the same thing. They had not separate villages that were out somewhere else. They were just in the, the main, they called it their lab floor. So they, they had their two big presentation rooms and the lab floor was right beside it. And they had a couple of challenges set up in there, some that Black Hills ran, some that Grim Cyber ran, and a few others like that. Uh, and it was a chance for people to sit down and actually do something, actually try and, and break into something or, or learn a new technique, work with people, really engaging experience. And, and to me, if you go to a hacking co a conference, any of the conferences, ShmooCon, DerbyCon, any of them, they're all doing these types of activities, and you'll pull a ton more value out of those activities than you will out of most of the talks. And and where where does that value come from? Not not just you know getting your your uh, your hands dirty and getting in, in there and actually seeing what works, but are they providing then feedback on on what you could have done? I, it looked like there's a scoreboard, so yeah. there's a, a challenge competition to it. So the, there's certainly a competition, right? And and if it's something like uh, compromising a wireless network, they'll they'll measure the amount of time it took you to get in there, or there'll be several layers of information. So how deep were you able to get in? And, and the winner is the first person to get to the most private data. Uh, and so there's a prize. That's kind of cool. You know, you actually win a, a prize. A lot of them will give out black badges, which are basically a, a free pass to come back next year. Uh, so you you save save some money there. But even if you, let, let's say you just go in and lose abysmally, right? <laughs> the, the big advantage of these things is that, one, you learn a practical skill. You're actually doing something. So when you go back to your office or back to your home, you, you've got something that you can actually get in there and use. And the other thing is if you're completely lost, there's people operating the challenge that will help you. They've got 
some step-by-step examples and pointers and hints to get you going in the right direction. So if you're stuck, you just can't get into that server, they'll actually show you what you need to do. And that means you can learn. It's almost like a one-on-one class at that point, which if you were to do that as a, like a dedicated course would be insanely expensive. Here at the, the villages, they're, they're just doing it for free. They're just helping you out and, and providing it because they, they had to learn and they want to help other people learn. And there's a huge advantage to that. And the nice thing by these, uh, by these events, giving these, these labs, then the hackers aren't spending time hacking my phone when I'm at a conference <laughs> like this, which I know is something people talk about a lot with Black Hat and DEF CON, so it's definitely good to have somewhere to focus the energy of those hackers. But um, you, you mentioned wireless, and the first one we want to show is the interview you did with uh, the guys from Black Hill Security right. who set up the, um, the wireless lab. And uh, so what's the goal of this one? This one's to basically be able to breach a network or to, or to grab the data that's being transmitted off the network? They had a few different things going on, but the main challenge was that they were basically simulating traffic from something like 20 clients that, that were basically transmitting data over wireless network. And the challenge was for you to get in and be able to compromise the private key to get that data. Now, some of it was just secured with like WEP, so really easy yeah. to break. Some of it was WPA2, so it was harder. Others, it was a matter of could you bring up a, an evil twin, a rogue access point, and get the client to connect to you? So it was several different challenges all baked in one, all, a number of different attacks. Cool. Well, let's take a look at that interview, and uh, we'll get a little bit of insight into how it was set up. And uh, so take a look. Enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another IT Pro TV interview here at Wild West Hackenfest 2017 in Deadwood, South Dakota. I'm Don Pazette, and you know it, it just wouldn't be complete conference coverage without getting a chance to see the booth with the most blinking lights around. So we are here at the Wireless Challenge where they exceed our blinking light fantasies here. Uh, <laughs> and I managed to get Jordan and Flesh to, to take a minute to talk with us. And, and before I get ahead myself, uh, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Uh, Jordan, tell me a little bit about you. So I work for Black Hills InfoSec as a pen tester, as a systems administrator, as a lab manager, as a developer, <laughs> as a researcher, as a blogger, as all the things we do at Black Hills InfoSec. I've got background in networking, uh, and, and that's about it. <laughs> Ditto. No, I, I'm David Fletcher. I'm also a pen tester at Black Hills Information Security, and we run the gamut of tests. Uh, I definitely don't do the sysad side. I spent 23 years doing that in the Air Force, and this is a dream for me. So that's, a, that's me in a nutshell. All right, so that, that leads to my, my next question, which is you guys are, are, are very talented people. You, you work in the field all the time. H how did you get roped into running the wireless challenge here at the conference? I guess my answer would be we ran out of time. <laughs> there were just so many labs we wanted to do, and we have so few hands to do them at times that you know we just kind of came together and made it happen. All right, so tell me a little bit about the challenges here. I know um, it, it's not, uh, you guys can't see it on camera, but there's several people sitting around that are uh, working on running through a series of challenges to demonstrate or even just to learn wireless penetration testing. Tell me a little bit about those challenges. So we've got a five-stage lab that kind of mimics a standard wireless stack. We start with WPS pin cracking. You go through WEP. Even though these technologies are old and deprecated, we still demonstrate why you probably shouldn't be running those on your network. We move into, go ahead, Fletch. And we we've literally see WEP a couple of times a year. <laughs> so it's not like it's completely dead. So knowing how to attack it and what those implications are is extremely important. Absolutely, we move on to WPA1, WPA2. We also do 802.1x Enterprise and demonstrate uh, 
user theft with evil access points and uh, keep moving from there. All right, so for the, for the, the challenger, the, the person who's here taking the challenge, it's not just about them actually breaking in and getting something. They're setting up evil access points? Absolutely. So each lab kind of has a stage where you learn the wireless technology, how to crack it, how to break it, and then you pivot, which is a standard term in industry where you find what else you have access to. And then you use that information that you gain to gain access to the next level. And are you guys focusing on just on the penetration test side, on the red team side, or is there blue team defense side also? We didn't do a lot of blue teaming here. <laughs> so the point here is if your wireless network is set up crappy, it exposes a lot. And we've literally set all these up to be poorly, poorly uh, engineered and secured so that people get a sense for that. I know wireless has been in the spotlight right now, especially because of the, the crack exploit that's been going on. And, and you know, WPA2 that a lot of people relied upon before is now not as trustworthy as, as many people had hoped. So uh, are you seeing that, or is that reflected here in the challenge as well? Or uh, are you just relying on the more, more standard implementation of WPA2? We write these labs to match industry and what we see still as we wander through organizations and test their defenses. We do not have a crack-specific exploit like we're seeing now. I think the code drops next week, is that right? But we do demonstrate all the way up the stack to user authentication theft. The point being, there's really only one way to do wireless right, and that is 802.1x with certificate validation on your supplicants. All right, so now I know that uh, setting up a normal wireless network, it, it requires a good bit of equipment, but setting up a lab like this, that's a lot different than a normal network. And, and behind us, you can see there's a, a row of, of wireless cards. Tell me, tell me a little bit about the equipment that goes into setting up a lab like this. Uh, in this case, we're using a bunch of uh, alpha cards. Alpha cards are typically what we use when we're testing uh, what they're alpha teals. The alpha teals are connected to um, Raspberry Pis, which make it really convenient to transport. We don't have to b bring a bunch of PCs or manage a bunch of virtual machines. Uh, and then each of those pies represents either an access point or a client. And the clients are set up to automatically associate with the APs on a recurring basis so that, you know, one of the things you worry about when you're building a wireless network is, or a wireless challenge, is what if everybody in the room DOS the clients at the same time? Now, nobody's ever going to solve the challenge. Instead, you know, we say, yeah, you can deauth uh, in a real environment, but in this one, if you know what you're looking for, all you have to do is wait for, wait for it and listen uh, in most cases. So that makes it much more manageable from our end. Uh, I know the, the lab changed just a little bit after you guys got here because the, over at the Gravwell booth, they've got a monitor set up where they're showing it if somebody uh, attempts absolutely. to do that deal, which I thought was really cool. Uh, we'll get a chance to talk to them a little bit later. Um, but uh, I know that uh, as far as when people come into these types of challenges, these labs, that some people are just really talented already. They jump in and they're able to, to poke through and do each of the steps. But for people who are learning, people who, who maybe haven't done wireless penetration testing yet, uh, are you guys here to, to kind of help them you know, walk through and learn the process? Absolutely. The two people sitting over here right now are using our gear and our hardware. We wanted this to be a very hands-on event. So we are doing both, providing hardware for them to use and the guidance they need to learn what WPS pin brute forcing is, what WEP IVs are, and why when it's flowing through the air, you can simply capture enough and crack keys. 
what a WPA handshake is and why it makes no difference whether you're attacking TKIP or AES, what evil APs are and host APD, WPE, and the theft of multiple users and password cracking. So we are definitely helping people through these processes. The early users that got through it were definitely experienced and we saw a lot of creativity in those users and how they attack the lab differently from our standard methodology. So has that been your experience so far? I know we're on day two of the conference, so have most people been able to navigate the challenge pretty well or is there a particular one that people have problems with? The first lab turned out to be the hardest. <laughs> WPS pin cracking is just not as easy as we would like. So we wanted this lab to be able to, to get through, people to be able to get through it quickly. Mm -hmm. But we found that people were running commands that would take six, eight, ten hours to fully brute force the WPS pin space. So we provide that first one to get people going and that has helped a lot. And Fletch, I, I know you mentioned running out of time and setting up a lab like this. This is a lot of, of specially configured hardware. Was it challenging to set up the lab? Were there any, uh, you mentioned deauth, were there other special challenges you had to overcome? It was challenging to help. Uh, really, Jordan and Kent did all the heavy lifting and getting the equipment here and uh, getting everything set up, building out the concept, and uh, those guys are just absolutely phenomenal. Fletch came in and helped us a lot though. Sure, we did a lot of heavy lifting. Like you said, we had the labs basically designed the way we wanted. We had configurations in place, but Fletch, SANS experience, instructor experience, TA experience, networks experience, he was able to help us write labs in a, in a meaningful way, provide guidance, get, uh, get the things put together in a beautiful package. Awesome, well I know, Hands-on labs like these, challenges and exercises, are one of the best reasons to attend security conferences. And you couldn't find a better team than Black Hills to come out and learn from. You guys have a, a great reputation in the industry and, and really a wonderful setup here, very, very cool. Uh, before we wrap up the interview, do you have anything else you want to share with our viewers? I am good. <laughs> Go break all the things. <laughs> <laughs> Which sadly isn't as hard as it used to be. <laughs> so, all right, well ladies and gentlemen, that's gonna wrap up this interview. And again, let me stress it, if you have a chance to attend conferences like these, these types of challenges, a lot of us think about conferences in terms of speakers and going and listening to talks, which are wonderful, right? You hear some great talks. But getting a chance to apply a real-world skill like this is invaluable, and getting hands-on access to the hardware is, is really incredible. So thank you guys for setting this up. We appreciate you spending time with us. Appreciate and the opportunity. Absolutely. For you viewers out there, we appreciate you guys watching. Stay tuned, because we've got more coverage from Wild West Hacking Fest. But for now, that's it for me. I'm Don Pazette with IT Pro TV. All right, another great interview, Don, and another interview where Don's the only person not dressed up, as uh, we're seeing a theme <laughs> here uh, from South Dakota. But, uh, Don, we were talking a little bit um, during the interview about how they actually set up this challenge that um, that they didn't bring, you know, 10 different laptops and set them up. So how were they able to uh, replicate this and make it kind of a real-life situation that, that people were able to try to exploit? You know, it wasn't in the interview, but I after the interview finished, I, I was just curious myself for how they built the lab. And it, it's not the point of the lab. <laughs> the point of the lab is to learn how to break into the wireless network. But I know I've tried to set up wireless labs before and had problems with having multiple NICs all right next to each other and, and stuff like that, uh, that they had they had similar problems and had to overcome. So I talked to them a bit. Um, they were actually selling those wireless cards at the at T-shirt the stand in front. Uh, and so I asked, like, what, what is special about these cards? And let me, here, I'll, I'll bring it up. Um, I got the Amazon page for them pulled up on my computer. Uh, they use these Alpha cards, A-L-F-A. It's just a company. Uh, they're not expensive. They see are $32.99 a piece. Uh, and I think that the kit they used actually is something like $40 because it's got a couple extra clips or something that comes with it. 
But uh, uh, but they said these cards are the ones they actually use when they go out and do pen testing because, uh, first off, they support promiscuous mode, right? So really easy to use Snort and other capture applications. They can dive right into it. Uh, but also, they allow you to create all sorts of different profiles that attach to it. So I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the interview, there were probably seven little miniature computer screens, little touch screens that were on the table. Uh, those were actually smart pies. That's these things. Uh, so there were seven of these laid across the, the desk back there. And each one is just a little touch screen with a Raspberry Pi stuck on the back. And what they needed was to simulate like 20 computers transmitting traffic, but they didn't want to have 20 computers on the desk. And so they could take a RasPi like this and stick four of those alpha cards on it. And then each card could be configured with a different profile, a different connection method. So they might have one that was doing WEP and another was doing WPA. They might have a third one that had a, an EAP certificate for one user and a fourth one with an EAP certificate for another user. And they're able to do that because the card, the driver is so well supported for this card that that was what worked for them. And so they use these out there in the field when they do pen tests, not just in the lab. They found it to be a really robust card. So I, I thought that was neat that uh, they were able to achieve everything they needed with pretty low-cost components, right? The wireless card's 33 bucks. That little Smart Pie screen, Smarty Pie, uh, is 25 A Raspberry Pi itself is like $35. So for 100 bucks, you could have a, a wireless testing station or, or lab station uh, that is, is pretty robust. So neat stuff, I thought. And so is the Raspi then sending out the same data just across four different types of networks then, or are they segmenting that? Somehow? No, they, they were doing containers. Uh, yeah. I think they were doing Docker containers. I didn't ask what kind of containers, uh, where they actually had basically four completely different things. that were They were scripted and automated, right? Uh, but one was generating web traffic, and another was doing email traffic, and, and, and so on. So that when you cracked open one stream, you'd get one set of data, and it was different than the other streams because you had to prove this is the one that I broke into or that's the one that I broke into or here's the person that I redirected. So you had to be able to show that. Uh, it was really, I mean, it was a really well thought out, of, uh, thought out lab. And they said it more than once in the interview, like, well, we ran out of time and so we just threw this together. But for having just yeah. thrown it together, they did a phenomenal job. That's throwing it together. That's pretty good. And, and next time, I know you had the flight delays we talked about in the last episode, but I'd really like to get you and Daniel head-to-head -head and see who can get into one of these networks quicker. But um, the, the next interview, definitely want to get to that as well uh, because it, it uh, dealt more with the IoT, which is something we've talked a lot about, about vulnerabilities. And people always uh, talk about now how your refrigerator is the thing that's out there sending malware or, or your uh, thermostat. So um, this other company, Grim, you said? Grim Cyber, yeah. yeah. Uh, Grim Cyber, who we had a chance to meet out at uh, Black Hat and DefCon uh, out in Las Vegas this year. And I, I don't know that we did an interview with them, but we just kind of got to hang out with their team. They have a massive team. And even here, I, I interviewed Lisa Wiswell, but uh, there were, I don't know, at least like six or seven other Grim employees that were all there. They are incredibly knowledgeable. They, they do penetration testing and, and a lot of uh, uh, cybersecurity consulting and uh, just a, a wealth of information. Uh, but their booth was set up, or their little little village, uh, was set up with three different types of challenges. So they had IoT, which is is a, a big buzzword right now. They had a lot of household appliances, and they would show you how, how to compromise them and what you could do. Uh, but they had car hacking, which was neat. They had their 3PO system set up where you could actually see uh, you know, what it's like to break into a car, what information you can get out of a car. 
Uh, and they had a few other uh, labs that were set up, a little bit of SCADA and ICS and, and other types of systems like that. So um, really cool stuff, things that we don't normally get to work with in the real world. I, I, I don't have an opportunity to hack on a car, and I don't want to hack on my own <laughs> because I, you know, I don't want to die. So, <laughs> so here's a chance to be able to see it and, and actually implement it, another big advantage of these villages. Yeah, and she actually talks about it in the interview as well, um, going outside, thankfully, and, and hacking a drone. Um, so, so definitely cool interview. So let's take a look at that. Uh, this is Lisa Wiswell uh, from Grimm talking about the uh, Internet of Things and other challenges they've set up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another IT Pro TV interview coming at you from the Wild West Hacking Fest in Dead Deadwood, South Dakota. Uh, I'm Don Pizzette, and we got a chance to meet up with the team from Grib Cyber this afternoon. Uh, I was excited to get an interview because we didn't get a chance to interview them at DEF CON earlier this year. We you know, ran into the team there. So uh, I managed to rope in Lisa to come and talk about some of the things they're doing here. We've got a, an amazing uh, challenge lab set up that we're going to talk about. But before we get to that, Lisa, would you mind introducing yourself to our viewers? Hi, I'm Lisa Wiswell. I'm one of the principals at Grimm. And, uh, you know, as far as the challenges that you've got set up, it's actually one of the bigger areas, we'll, we'll show it a little bit later, um, that is really focused on a lot of, is it mostly focused on ICS? Actually, a lot of everything. Um, we've got three demos here um, of varying types, so a couple of uh, CTF like focused challenge that's an IOT smart house um, and the premise there is about 35 challenges of which you can hack everything from our toaster to refrigerator to TV and smoke detector um, and and that is a s capture the flag exercise in which a lot of folks you'll see around the conference right now people are playing from the talks they they've self-organized around a couple of tables in here um, another one is um, what we call 3PO and that is our mobile car hacking lab. Um, it's a, got a couple of challenges in which people, we give folks step-by-step -step instructions. They can sit down on our computers and you don't need any skills at all to be able to hack, a, hack this vehicle. Um, and then a third one that we debuted uh, just yesterday here at this conference is a, a, a drone demo in which um, uh, Tim Brome from our embedded device team went outside for safety reasons with, <laughs> with a bunch of folks who are interested in watching us hack a drone in, in air. All right, so let's talk a little bit more about these individually. So, uh, you know, you mentioned the, the home products, and IoT is a, a big concern right now. A lot of devices are being connected to networks that are just not considered safe. You guys created, I believe it was called the Howdy Neighbor Challenge. So, um, what, what are you seeing there? Are people really just finding it easy to walk right into these devices, or are, are people having a challenge getting in there? What, what's been the reception of that lab so far? Yeah, um, it depends on the particular challenge that they're working on, but um, some are easier than others. That's just the way that we built it so that folks can participate uh, across a lot of skill sets. Um, but yeah, as you can imagine, IoT devices, all of the things that are in your home that you rely on, on sort of a day-to-day -day basis is a, is a, you know, functional person, um, uh, are very vulnerable. Not necessarily encrypted, actually most of the time not, um, and, and very vulnerable from your locks to your garage doors, to your toaster, to your refrigerator, everything. You know, when it was simple devices, like a, a webcam or a baby monitor, people were annoyed if they got broken into, but it wasn't in the world. When it's your door lock, that that's a, a bigger concern. So we are seeing more increased focus there 
I don't know that we're seeing more increased like effort on the manufacturer's part to make them more secure. So uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would say that, um, especially for the things that affect safety and citizens' safety, um, there's starting to be a lot more interest. So for example, um, there's uh, proposed legislation right now on IoT cybersecurity. Um, that's a great thing. Members of Congress are actually very interested in this right now and, and trying to put more pressure on the manufacturers to consider security as they're developing these things instead of before they are on you know shelves for all of us to go purchase is a smart thing. All right, now the, the other lab you mentioned, uh, well, I guess you mentioned three, but the second one was 3PO, was the car hacking. And I know I, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to car hacking when it is first started reaching prominence because I thought, ah, you know, who really cares and, and my car is not connected. But almost every vehicle sold today is coming with some kind of cellular service, is connected out. You've got vehicles like Tesla, uh, Teslas that are, are fully controlled by their computers. It's becoming a big issue, and I know there have been some proof of concepts that are out there that are pretty dangerous. You guys have set up a lab, and you're giving people a chance to, to get in there and see that, and it's it's using several different connectivity models, like very different. Uh, I walked by, and, and you know my thought was, oh, you're coming in via cellular, but you guys have other types of hookups that people are coming in to interact with those devices, right? Yeah, actually, so we've got um, some open source software that you can go uh, check out, and the purpose of using those tools is to help Everybody, no matter the skill set, no matter your role in a company, understand whether it's automotive or not, understand just how easy it is to hack these things with very basic and sometimes downright free tools. Um, and so we actually bring 3PO most of the time when we're at conferences. Um, and we, we tend to use it as a training tool as well. So we'll take it to schools, um, undergraduate programs in particular, where it's really helpful for folks to understand we care a lot about showing instead of just telling, and so um, 3PO is a really effective tool to be able to do that, particularly for leadership in a company, for example. Now, we, we say like they're hacking a car. What, what does that mean? What are some of the things they're able to do once they break in? You can affect the brakes, um, auto lock. You can do any, basically, uh, 3PO is a 2012 um, model. And so if you think of it that way, think of every single year following 2012, the car has become more connected. It's either connecting and talking back to some um, headquarters. It could be talking to other cars. Um, basically, you can think of it as a, as a mobile moving, driving at 65 miles an hour computer. And wh where did the name come from? What is 3PO? You know what? I actually don't know how we came up with 3PO. 3PO was named a couple of years ago. Um, it's it's existed like it is today for about two years, and um, we used to call it the Ford on a board. And so um, we liked having a a, a a pithy hashtag for it a little bit better. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that you know if anybody's here at the conference or at the other conferences, because you guys do yeah. make the rounds, uh, a chance to get in there and get hands-on experience with this stuff is really, I, I think, an important thing. Uh, uh, IOT, a lot of us have, have read about the exploits, a lot of us have seen the, the effects like distributed denial of service attacks coming out of IOT, so it's neat to get a chance to see how the attackers are getting in and to do it yourself, to learn about it, because we, we need to learn about these things if we're going to protect ourselves from them, right? And, and that's, that's kind of what a big part of your outreach is. That's exactly right. All right, and you know, speaking of that, uh, obviously you're with Grim Cyber, you, you put on great challenges like these to inform people, but Grim Cyber itself is a, a security consultancy. Can you tell me a little bit about the company and what you guys do? Yeah, um, so we're uh, based out of Arlington, Virginia, but we are, uh, we've got 
pockets of excellence sort of all over the country. Our embedded device team um, focuses on automotive, critical infrastructure, ICS SCADA, drones, locks, you name it. Um, they're based out of Michigan. And we've got folks that do a little bit of work for uh, on networking, applications, um, basically you name it. If it's connected, we've probably reverse engineered it and helped um, clients understand where their vulnerabilities are. We focus a lot then on training their workforce on how not to develop in those vulnerabilities for the next version of whatever it is that they're developing. Uh, we care a lot about that knowledge transfer. Have you been working with people like the auto manufacturers to help them move forward? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we were tied in with not only the OEMs, but also the tier one providers and the ISAC and the whole nine yards. Yeah, it's such an amazing thing that for you know, 80 years you had vehicles that were just straight up combustion engines, that was it, and now now they're full-blown computers, and it makes it far more complex. That industry's having to play catch-up a good bit. So, uh, well, I know I, I appreciate all that you guys do, and I, I encourage any of you viewers, if you're out there and you go to a conference and you see the Grim Cyber Team, make sure you swing by, because they've always got amazing activities and labs you can go through, and all the staff is really pleasant. Uh, well, except for Lisa, but the rest of them, really great people, and <laughs> they're willing to help you and kind of teach you and, and help learn. It's a great part of outreach. So I appreciate you spending time with us. Before we wrap up, do you have anything else you want to, to mention to our viewers? No, I just want to echo that. Come check us out. Get your hands dirty. Actually, put your hands on the keyboard here because that, that, that knowing is really kind of powerful. And if our viewers want to learn more about your company, where can they go? Oh, yeah. So just go to grimco.com and um, follow us on uh, at Grim Cyber. Awesome. Thank you for spending time with us. I really appreciate it. All right. Another great interview, Don. And that one looked really cool. And thanks to uh, Taylor and Megan, our production crew out there, were able to get some really good video of the actual lab so you could kind of see the setup. They did things a little differently than the wireless security uh, mm -hmm. booth there. But um, just another, another really cool... Uh, interview and an opportunity to kind of see how they set that up. Anything stand out to you specifically? Of uh, you, you didn't get to do that lab as well. I, I, yeah, we were so short on time because we were only there for one day that I, I was interview after interview. So I, di I didn't get to do a single lab, which, which stunk. I really wanted to. Uh, and I, I've said it here in this episode that doing those challenges in those labs, that's really the fun part of the conferences. So, uh, you know, definitely uh, if I go back, I'd, I'd like to do those. Yeah, we'll have to ask Daniel if he did too because he was out there taking the training as well. So mm -hmm. hopefully he's putting that training to good use and, and hacking some of those things for us. Uh, well, that's going to pretty much do it for this episode. We've got another episode coming up uh, where we're going to talk about some of the emerging tech uh, that we saw uh, out at the Wild West Hack and Fest. Um, but we will <laughs> save that for the next episode because uh, we're about out of time. But uh, we do definitely want to encourage you to uh, go ahead and like this podcast, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, wherever you are. But uh, for now, we're going to go ahead and sign off. So we will see you next time from the IT Pro TV podcast.